before I get started, and don't worry, it's not, you're not going to be here all afternoon, all right? <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, I do want to start because there was a friend of one of our family here at, at Downers Grove. I guess this friend is in Minnesota, and his name is Brian. Um, and I guess there was a snowmobile accident where he went through the ice. Uh, he was unresponsive when he when they retrieved him. He has lost both his hands and leg, hands and feet to amputation, um, and is in critical condition. So I would like to pray uh, for Brian. Father, we ask that the spirit of the Lord is upon Brian and his family, and the people around him. Lord, this cannot be easy, and it will be. It will not be easy from now on. We are thankful we have the promise of your soon return where there will be no more death, sorrow, crying, and pain. Lord, be with him, his family, and those around him. May they see the glory of the Lord, and may he, with every breath that he has, glorify your name. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. I will remember this is up. I will start with a poem, and I will end with a poem. This one is called The Calf Path, if you have heard this before or read this before. One day through a primeval wood, a calf walked home, as good calves should, but made a trail, a bent askew, a crooked trail, as all calves do. Since then, two hundred years have fled, and I infer that calf is dead. But still he left behind his trail and thereby hangs my moral tale. The trail was taken up next day by a lone dog that passed that way. And then a wise bellwether sheep pursued the trail o'er vale and steep and drew the flock behind him too as good bellwethers always do. And from that day o'er hill and glade those through those old woods a path was made, and many men wound in and out and dodged and turned and bent about and uttered words of righteous wrath because t'was such a crooked path. But still they followed, do not laugh, the first migrations of that calf. And through this winding woodway stalked because he wobbled when he walked. This forest path became a lane that bent and turned and turned again. This crooked lane became a road where many a poor horse with his load toiled on beneath the burning sun and traveled some three miles in one. And thus a century and a half they trod the footsteps of that calf. The years passed on in swiftness fleet. The road became a village street. And this before men were aware, a city's crowded thoroughfare. And soon the central street was this, of a renowned metropolis. And men two centuries and a half trod in the footsteps of that calf. Each, hundred, each day a hundred thousand route followed the zigzag calf about. 
And o'er his crooked journey went the traffic of a continent. A hundred thousand men were led by one calf near three centuries dead. (laughs) They followed still his crooked way and lost 100 years a day. For thus such reverence is lent to well-established precedent. A moral lesson, lesson this might teach were I ordained and called to preach. For men are prone to go it blind along the calf paths of the mind and work away from sun to sun to do what other men have done. They follow in the beaten track and out and in and forth and back and still their devious course pursue to keep the path that others do. But how the wise old wood gods laugh who saw this first primeval calf. Ah, many things this tale might teach, but I am not ordained to preach. That is by Sam Foss. Have you, any of you ever read that before? Do you know the point? That people will lead you wherever they can. And, and we follow these paths that not necessarily God has designed for us, but just that somebody made for us. And this calf, because of the way it walked and was not intentional, made a path that people followed and lost years of their lives because of this unintentional calf. You know, before there was GPS if you guys can remember this, and some of you cannot. Actually, last night I was talking to, I had some young adults over, and I was talking to a couple that, uh, they're not a couple, but a couple as in two, were, were at our house, and, and they, you know, they're young adults. And um, they said, I asked, well, what year did you graduate? And, and they said, oh, 2013. You know, we're feeling a little bit old, 2013. And I said, wow. Well, that's 20 years after I graduated. And they said, we weren't even born yet. And I said, what? Now I know how some of you guys feel. <laughs> oh, no. Just joking, JP. No. <laughs> well, we got Bill over here. Who's, who knows how old? But before GPS and before things like MapQuest or Google Maps, we would have these things called maps. Do you remember these things? I think they're in museums now. But you would open this map, and you would look, and you would find the road. But even before maps, before maps, which predates all of us, because I'm sure even the oldest person in here, maps were around, what would happen is you would find your way by landmarks. So, I mean, even in your neighborhood, when you were a kid and, and you would say, hey, Oliver, you want to come over and play? And Oliver would be like, yeah, let's play. Let's, you know, I'll ride my bike over there. Um, and now they're just on video games. They're like, I'll virtually come over to your house. But now, but back then, they would actually ride real bikes that had two wheels on it. And uh, so they'd come over and I'd 
they'd be like, but the first time it was, how do I get to your house? And I wouldn't say, well, you know, why don't you get a map? Or why don't you use GPS and put it on something? No, we didn't do that. We'd say, okay, what you do is the road that you're on, we'll see there's like a green house right at the corner where the stop sign is, and you would take a left. You take a left at the green house. Remember, there's like that dog barking? Oh, yeah, I know where that is. And then, and then when you get to the, like, the second street, there's like this white kind of bigger house. Yeah, right there. And remember the fire hydrant? Okay, yeah. So, and then we're the third brown house on the left. Do you guys remember when we would do this kind of stuff? But now we don't do that anymore. We're like, okay, 1581 Smith Street. Okay, and I don't remember it. Once I drive it, I'm like, oh, I got to put it back in the next day because I don't remember. But with landmarks, you remember. So they would put the, you know, they were landmarks. Well, this was the language of the Hebrew scriptures. Torah comes from the word yara. Now, does that make sense? Okay, right. (laughs) Yara means literally to shoot. It was the idea of having a target that you would shoot at or throw at. So yara means to shoot. Torah is the goal. It's always the goal. Torah. But as in Torah, which we hopefully most of you know that means that is translated law, which I don't think that is a really good translation. Maybe goal is better. The place I want to be. But within that, you have these things called mitzvot. Does anybody know what mitzvot is? What most people translate mitzvot. It is not landmarks. (laughs) What is mitzvot translated as? There are 10 of them, but there are actually 613 in, in the Torah. What is it? Commandments. The mitzvot, that's plural. Mitzvah is singular. So this mitzvot literally comes from a, a, there are two meanings. One means to bind, and the other one is the idea of landmarks. I know where I want to go, so I have landmarks to guide me in that way. That's how you find your path. There are landmarks. God put landmarks there. When I was in Korea, the first year I was in Korea, I was on this island. And this island was just a few miles south of North Korea. Now, if you know, the, you know North Korea and South Korea do not play nice. Um, or it, it was worse, and we don't know where it is right now, but... Actually, a month after I left, there were some North Korean spies that had come on the island, and they were killed on the island because they were trying to spy out the land. About half of the residents on the island, about 3,000 of the residents, were military. So I'd hear gunfire in the morning, you know, just practicing drills. And 3,000 were just residents. Well, all of the island that was not road, that weren't roads and some of the little beaches were covered with landmines. And... There was this fisherman that had met me, and, and I had a Korean uh, partner to help translate and everything. He said, hey, let's go. Let's go down to the beach. I said, all right, let's go. He said, but you must follow me. I said, okay. And, and he had, you know, okay. He said, no, 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 no. You're not. You must, you must follow my steps. I said, okay, let's follow. So there was this little path that, you know, and there were like, things on the path to keep us on the path 
And, and it took us about, you know, about 20 minutes to go through this path. And he said, uh, I want to tell you why I had you walk this path with me exactly the way. Because there's landmines right all around in there. And I, and I was like, you just took me through a landmine field? Uh, and he said, yeah, but we were safe. There's the path. I found out later that landmines shift. So I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't do that again. But they've been doing it for years. But he had set up, they had set up land, landmarks so that I would be safe on this path, which, praise the Lord, I am here. Right, thank you. Amen. Was that, was that Rod? Amen. Thank you. My wife didn't even give me an amen. Thank you. Quickly, we'll read through this. John 14, verse 6, says this concerning the path. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, as some of you read, many mansions, or you grew up knowing that. If it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. For I will go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's an awesome promise. He is coming again. He is coming again. Amen. All right. No more death, sorrow, crying, pain. That's great. And, where you, and the way where I am going, you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going or how. Oh, wait. Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? I'm going to stop there. Who is right Jesus or Thomas? Jesus said, you know where I'm going. You know the way. You know the path. And Thomas says, I don't really know where you're going, and we don't know the path. Who's right? Jesus? Quiet, because I talked about this in class. <laughs> Jesus? How many say Jesus? How many say Thomas? Both? Okay, here's the thing is, is if I said, David, you know where my parents live and you know the way. And you would respond, no, I do not. Who is correct? David is, right? In this case, David is right. He doesn't know where my parents live. He doesn't know my parents. I, I don't know. Maybe you do. But he has no clue what the way is to my parents' house. But as you know, Jesus is right. But I will share with you why Jesus is right. Is this the right way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The way is Jesus. Now, that sounds simple, and we've preached this before. But this should be so freeing to you. If you really understand this, 
This is gospel. This is freedom. The path is not 28 fundamental things. The path is not 28 fundamental things. Sorry, guys. The path is not badges and honors. Sorry. It's not that there's no merit in them, but that is not the path. The way is not what you eat, what you wear, how many times you come into this building a month, how much money you donate to this organization. That is not the way. Jesus just said, you know me, you know the way. And why that's freedom to you is your journey with the way, Jesus, might be different. So guess what? You might struggle with different things than I do. All that matters is that you are on the walk with the way. It doesn't matter what I have set as the calf path for you. I don't dictate that. Your relationship with Jesus does. That's it. Period. That's it. That's gospel. That is the path. Oliver read this verse to you. I'm going to read it to you also. Enter through the narrow gate, for, the wide, uh, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and may enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I have heard a scholar put it this way, and I actually believe it's this way. So we normally think it's two roads. There's a, there's a, there's a narrow one and there's a, a wide one. I actually think it's more this way. Have you ever, have you ever uh, walked in a, in a huge crowd? In a, in a huge crowd, and it's hard. I mean, you, you're trying to navigate through. Actually, one time we, uh, we, we were at this play. It was, I, didn't, I think it was before kids. We were at this play. Uh, it was at Anna's old high school or somewhere near there. And her dad and friends of her parents went with us. And we were all, because it was so jam-packed, we were all holding each other's hands, trying to get through, trying to navigate through this huge crowd. And her dad is such a prankster that he had his, like, best friend's hand, and we're all, and he noticed that there was another guy that, there was another bunch of people that were doing the same thing so he took his hand and he slipped it in the other guy's hand and so his so his friend started going a different way he's like i don't know this person but but you know what it's like to navigate through like a crowd like this well i actually think that what's happening here is you're navigating through finding a narrow path but the challenge with this is all the path is going this way what this is saying is there is a wide highway coming this way. But if you want to stay on the path that's going to life, you actually have to navigate through the other way. It's not two separate ways. You're going counter-current. And if you've ever tried to do that, 
like at the Texas State Fair where we would go every year, where there would be a, a mass people going this way, and we're trying to weave our way through, it's not easy. But it's worth it. And here's the only way you get through is, he won't play the trick on you. Jesus takes your hand, says, I am the way we'll get through. That's gospel. So even though your badges, your honors, are, there is merit in it. It's making you into a, a fine young man and woman. My challenge to the leaders here is bring them to the throne of grace. Let them know Jesus. Their walk will be different from your walk. But if they gain relationship with Jesus, it'll all be cool. It will all be good, and they will be on the path. Because finding your path is finding Jesus. I will stop with this. I will end with this poem, and you know this. It was referred to in the play. And again, I don't in the poem, I can agree with it, but in the theology, I don't. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry, I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then I took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted there and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one last traveled by, and that has made all the difference.